I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for midweek news and notes. And believe it or not, still some stuff happening around the Jets, even though the playoffs are in full swing and the Jets are not involved and we're still a little bit away from free agency. The wheel never stops turning. And so to talk about all of it, our friend who covers the Jets for Sports Illustrated, Mr. Nick Ferry. And Nick, what's up, brother? How are you doing? Great to be back, Scott. So let's start with the first order of business. And This is the most recent news item involving the Jets. Taylor Embry, their running backs coach, is gone. It looks like it was a mutual parting of the ways. The Jets went after Deuce Staley, one of the best running backs coaches in the league, missed out on him, and so now they're focusing on other candidates. Nick, take us through all of this. Yeah, so originally, before once the season ended, head coach Robert Sala essentially said that there were going to be some small changes to the coaching staff uh, but nothing really, you know, turning the needle. And a lot of people kind of predicted that offensive line coach Keith Carter would be amongst those people that would not be returning. A lot of people have been surprised that it's Carter that's leaving and Embry, excuse me, Carter's staying and Embry is the one that's leaving. But from what I heard, it's a, a mutual party of the ways. Embry's looking for, for a new system, uh, looking for new and greener pastures. And the Jets are just looking for someone here who can develop the young backs, Israel Abanaconda, Brees Hall, uh, as the top two guys that you look at. Um, and I know the, the 
a lot of people are looking at the Deuce Staley miss, and they're kind of looking at this as saying Deuce Staley's a veteran coach. He's not going to, you know, set his sights on a team that could very well uh, be firing their head coach after 2024 anyway. And that's a very fair thought process. You don't want to be a coach of a team that's got everyone on the hot seat. But I think the other piece to this is Stefanski's offense. We know Deuce Staley has now been hired by the Cleveland Browns. But Stefanski's offense is very similar to the way Deuce Staley has had and built his running back rooms before. And he is a highly, highly regarded running back coach, arguably the best one across the National Football League, even despite a couple of hiccups now in Carolina. There have been a lot of interviews in the process. Deuce from Tennessee uh, has been the latest one that the Athletic has come out with. Uh, And he comes with a lot of of pedigree himself. He's very well liked. Uh, Derrick Henry, an offensive player of the year, the last running back to have over 2,000 yards rushing in a single season, has went to bat for him before. Uh, Derrick Henry is going to be a free agent this year, and by all accounts, he is leaving Tennessee. So that could be an interesting thing to look at. But the one thing that I sort of connect the dots with everything, and I think Dews is probably the top guy for the job now, because of his connection with Keith Carter, because of his connection with Todd Downing, that sort of Tennessee style of offense mixed in with the Packers kind of offense with Nathaniel Hackett, with Aaron Rodgers, and all those kind of guys. So obviously there's a lot of relationship building and prior relationships sort of being helped out in this process. Uh, and we still don't know where the Jets are exactly going to go at, at, as of this moment. But I think Dews is a very logical choice for the running back room. He comes well-regarded. He's well-liked by the by the room itself. If the Jets were to hire him and miss out on Deuce Staley, this isn't as big of a miss uh, as I think a lot of people would would think right away as sort of that reactionary thought process. Nick, you brought up Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, and they've got to be relieved about a development that just came out of Miami. And that development is that Vic Fangio, one of the best defensive coordinators of all time, somebody who pioneered an entire type of defense, has disciples all over the league who have been successful. Some not as successful, which I'm sure you're going to get into when we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, which is where (laughs) Vic Fangio is expected to go now, Nick, because you, of course, are a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Fangio is out in Miami, and he is expected to sign with the Philadelphia Eagles. It looks like this is a mutual parting of the ways because Fangio wanted to be closer to his family, so that's going to happen. But it's great news for the Jets, I think, because Fangio is one of the best defensive minds ever, and I think he really had Miami playing a lot better down the stretch defensively once they started to get healthy. When Jalen Ramsey came back, they were a better defense. They weren't an elite defense by any stretch, but a better defense than Miami's had in quite a while and made them much more dangerous without Fangio. I think Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett can take a little bit of a deep breath, and Aaron Rodgers can certainly celebrate and enjoy Las Vegas a little bit more because that's where he took his offensive lineman as a little gift for protecting him for four plays before he went down and then doing their best to protect (laughs) Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, and Trevor Simeon the rest of the way. So, Nick, talk about what's going on here with Fangio and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers being the quote-unquote bad leader that he is and taking his offensive lineman on a trip to Las Vegas. Yeah, so you know, I'll start with Rodgers because I had the same exact thought you had. What a terrible leader that quarterback <laughs> is to to understand all the injuries and all the turmoil that that offensive line group went through and to simply say, hey, I got your back. Let's go out. 
Let's have enjoy ourselves. Let's have some peace of mind. What a terrible leader he is. Really just a selfish guy. Clearly a photo op. Uh, I'm, of course, being sarcastic. Uh, this, this shows that Rodgers has been a, a lightning rod for the Jets. He has been the consummate professional since coming to New York. He really um, has ingrained himself well with this market. And there are going to be people, obviously, uh, that see him for the for his off-field stunts as you know, liar, you know, a, an anti-vaxxer, whatever that movement is, whatever the issue is when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, people are going to have a problem off the field. On the field and within the locker room, he has been everything that the Jets could possibly have wanted. He has been with this team. He continues to talk to this team. He continues to be a coach on the field. And by all accounts, from the players that I've spoken to, the coaches that I've spoken to, when Aaron Rodgers talks, they listen. And that's not a bad thing. That What that tells you is the Jets understand that they have not been to the playoffs in 13 years. They need to trust guys who have been there. And the only one that has consistently been there throughout his entire career is the one they are going to listen to. As it was with Tampa Bay uh, and Tom Brady, as it was with the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning. This is not new. This has never been new. Um, this is always the type of thing you need to do when you're a team that is just down on your luck and looking for a change. So that's that's Rogers stuff. But with Vic Fangio, is this really <laughs> this really got interesting really fast because Philadelphia is looking for a defensive coordinator after the disastrous turn of Sean Desai. They have essentially over the years since Nick Sirianni was hired to be the head coach three years ago. They have been looking for the Vic Fangio style of defense, which is keep plays in front of you, limit big plays, and get after the quarterback by confusion in the secondary. With Jonathan Gannon, a lot of Eagle fans didn't like him because they struggled against elite quarterbacks because they were playing too far back, too passive. Yes, they could get after the passer with their pass rush, but it wasn't consistent enough. And you saw that in Super Bowl 57 when they did not force a punt in the second half and ended up losing a game to the Kansas City Chiefs, a game that, by all accounts, they should have won throughout that contest. Um, but after that game, what people kind of forget, Vic Fangio was a defensive consultant for Philadelphia during that game and a few days after. When Jonathan Gannon was hired by the Arizona Cardinals, the natural selection from Gannon was that Fangio was going to replace him and it would be a seamless transition because while while Gannon is a disciple of Fangio this is the godfather of this kind of defense this bend don't break big play limit big play type of defense that has been so well used in the NFL today it is essentially the modern defense that everyone turns to and looks at and tries to emulate but unfortunately for Philadelphia during that time they couldn't get him because of the tampering charges that Jonathan Gannon had with Arizona. So he goes off to Miami. Everyone looks at the Dolphins' defense. They did a pretty good job, all things considered. But it's clear that Fangio's heart has been in Philadelphia. He's a huge Phillies fan. I know a lot of people were talking about that today. He loves to tailgate Phillies games. Uh, the, the entire Fangio family is extremely happy. And I know there are going to be plenty of Eagles fans that are going to be happy with this defense because – as bad as it was last year, Sean Desai, a disciple of, of the Fangio defense. Jonathan Gannon, a disciple of the Fangio defense. But when you are trying to emulate a type of defense, the best way to do it is to just go to the source. And, and Fangio is the godfather of this defensive system, and it just makes the most sense for them. 
And of course it helps out the Jets because the one thing we have seen over the last year is that they haven't been able to solve that defense. It's just, it's, it's eluded them so far, particularly when Fangio was here. So to get him out of the division is only going to help. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick, let's talk about the Pro Football Writers Association giving out their year-end awards. Offensive Rookie of the Year goes to C.J. Stroud. That makes sense. Look, Puka Nakua and Sam Laporta both had outstanding seasons. Puka Nakua, almost any other year, would have won Rookie of the Year. But this year, it had to go to Stroud because whenever there's a quarterback that throws for 4,000 yards as a rookie and helps carry his team into the playoffs when nobody expected it, there's no way that guy's not going to win Rookie of the Year. So Stroud gets Offensive Rookie of the Year, but two excellent candidates otherwise in Sam Laporta and Puka Nakua, who probably would have garnered major consideration any other year. And then Defensive Rookie of the Year, it's Will Anderson, who went one pick behind C.J. Stroud. If you remember, the Texans traded up to get Anderson. They did it basically because they wanted Anderson and Stroud. And so in order to make that happen, they traded up to number three and had number two and number three. Anderson had a terrific season. The only other real candidate for that would have been Devin Weatherspoon, the cornerback on the Seahawks, who had an outstanding season. But Will Anderson was a force For the Houston Texans this year And you have to figure that the fact that his team made the playoffs Fair or unfair Probably helped his case as well And then in terms of the other awards That have nothing to do with the rookies MVP award goes to Lamar Jackson Again, this is not the official awards This is just the football writers Doing their awards Christian McCaffrey gets Offensive Player of the Year And Defensive Player of the Year goes to Miles Garrett I agree with Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year I still think that it's silly to have a separate Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. If a guy is the best offensive player, then he's also the most valuable. The best is the most valuable as far as I'm concerned. It's splitting hairs to try and do it otherwise. I think McCaffrey probably was the league's MVP. He did so much this year, just an incredible player for the 49ers. I know that they had a lot of talent, but McCaffrey was really the engine that drove everything. I love Lamar Jackson, and I'm certainly not going to be upset if he wins the actual MVP. I think realistically it comes down to him and Josh Allen, in my mind, for the two guys that deserve it the most. Patrick Mahomes is probably the best player, but this particular season, I don't think he was as good As Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen But when it comes to these year-end awards Miles Garrett, absolutely nothing to say about that That's the right guy to win the award The only slight quibble I have is, like I said I think the distinction between Offensive Player of the Year and MVP is silly If McCaffrey's the best offensive player Then he should also be the MVP But either way, those are your winners The two rookies of the year, number two and number three overall pick in the draft, both from the Texans, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, MVP Lamar Jackson, Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey, Defensive Player of the Year is Miles Garrett. Yeah, I when I 
put my ballot in because I was voting on this. I clearly had Lamar Jackson as as MVP and then Christian McCaffrey as Offensive Player of the Year. And I understand your point, Scott, but, but one of the reasons why I like having that Offensive Player of the Year award um, just there is because no non-quarterback now is going to win MVP no matter what happens. Um, and we have had some incredible receiving and rushing seasons go by the wayside solely because it's not a quarterback. And I think the perfect example is Derrick Henry when he ran for 2,000 yards, uh, and he was really the only thing on that Titans offense that was dominant the entire year, and I mean consistently dominant. Uh, he deserves that Offensive Player of the Year award when that happened, no matter what. Justin Jefferson last year is another great example. So I think this year, I understand the argument for McCaffrey. I really do. I look at the full body of work, and I look at what Lamar Jackson was able to do with this offense with the kind of injuries they've had. Mark Andrews was lost for a good portion of the season. He's their number one threat. Uh, I think everyone understands the reason why Lamar is going to win MVP. I, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by that. But I do think if I were, were an MVP voter, I would put my second vote to Christian McCaffrey because I do agree with you in that he is probably the second most important player on his team. The one surprise to me actually was on the defense. I voted for TJ Watt. Um, for Defensive Player of the Year, I know Miles Garrett ended up winning it. I know Garrett is really, really good, a complete defensive player, a complete defensive end. Uh, but when I look at the full body of work compared to either player, and I know Steeler fans and Browns fans argue about this all the time, um, but when I look at the full body of work, I think T.J. Watt makes more important plays for his defense. He's more important to that defense than the entire Cleveland Browns with, with Miles Garrett because Cleveland's got a very good defense of its own, right? Pittsburgh does too. But if you were to take Miles Garrett off that defense, are they still a good defense? Yes. If you take TJ Watt off of that Steelers defense, are they as good? Definitely not. There is a steep drop-off. There is a steeper drop-off without TJ Watt than I think there is with Miles Garrett. And that really goes down to me trusting Jim Schwartz over everybody else uh, within that staff. So I get it. I understand I don't really have any major gripes. My only surprise was Garrett beating out T.J. Wofford, Defensive Player of the Year. Pro football writers also had an all-NFL team, and there was one jet on it. One guess who that jet would be. And if your guess was <laughs> Sauce Gardner, congratulations. You don't win anything, but you can pat yourself on the back. Second year in a row that he was both a first-team All-Pro and a Pro Bowler and now makes the Pro Football Writers Association's all-NFL team. I know that certain people, like Asante Samuel, who are jealous because Asante Samuel was a perfectly fine cornerback, was an all-pro twice. Sauce Gardner has already eclipsed him in two years. He's better than Asante <laughs> Samuel ever was, if we're keeping it real. And so to see him on this list is awesome. The other corner here was Deron Bland. No big surprise there. Deron Bland had an outstanding year with all the turnovers that he forced to pick sixes. I will say, though, I still think that the two best corners in the league this year were Jalen Johnson from the Chicago Bears and Sauce Gardner. Both of those guys were basically impossible to do anything against. Teams practically stopped throwing against either one of those guys at a certain point. Rest of the list, quarterback was Lamar Jackson. The running backs were Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams. At wide receiver, it was Tyreek Hill and CeeDee Lamb. Tight end, George Kittle. Center, Jason Kelsey in his final season in the NFL. As we know, he's announced that he will not 
not be coming back. He'll be retiring. Zach Martin from the Cowboys and Joe Tooney are your guards. Penny Sewell from the Lions and Trent Williams. Those are your two tackles on defense. It's Miles Garrett and Trey Hendrickson at defensive end. Defensive tackle Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. Outside linebacker TJ Watt and Micah Parsons. Middle linebacker Fred Warner. We already talked about the corners. Jesse Bates and Kyle Hamilton are your safeties. That to me is a no-brainer. Those are easily the two best safeties in the NFL right now. Special teams, Brandon Aubrey, the kicker from the Cowboys. The punter is A.J. Cole from the Raiders. Kick returner, Kassan Nixon from the Green Bay Packers. Rashid Shahid from the New Orleans Saints is the punt returner. Heck of a receiver, too, by the way. And your special teams pick is Miles Killebrew from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Nick, Sauce Gardner, the one player in the Jets who makes the all-NFL team. The Jets had plenty of really good players this year, but Sauce stood out as being arguably the very best player at his position. Just incredible how good he is this quickly. I've said it from the beginning, and I know it took a lot of flack for it a couple days ago when I said it, but I truly believe that Sauce Gardner's first two years in the NFL have been the best for any corner in NFL history, and that includes Jets' beloved Darrell Revis. Um, I, I get Revis. He's one of the greatest quarterback corners of all time. It is the true uh, barometer for modern quarterbacks. Um, but when I look at what Sauce Gardner has done, it is just unbelievable. Two years in, and he has struck fear in the hearts of every single quarterback that he plays. Um, and you mentioned Asante Samuel. The one thing that I'll say about Asante is this. He is a great corner, and he was a great corner in his time. Uh, I would put him in the top five at times, particularly you look at what he did in 2010. He was really good in 2008 uh, with Philadelphia. He was really good with New England in 2006. He had some great, great years. But there's a clear difference, especially at corner, between the great ones and the all-time elite and the all-time elites are the people like Revis and like the people considering Sauce. I mean, I look at Sauce Gardner the year that he had this year. Would I like his interception numbers to be higher? Of course. He dropped a couple that I looked at and said, man, if you're an elite corner, you got to do this. But he would come back and completely shut down a third of the field. And when you have a cornerback that does that in the modern NFL, you are the elite of the elite. And then when you add in everything else that he does well, his mind, his cerebralness, his ability to come up and lay the wood down, his ability to cover in different coverages, whether it's man or zone, he is the best cornerback in football. It's not really close. It's laughable to even consider anybody else. And there's really no other choice about it. This That was the easiest pick that I had on my ballot of when I was going through everything. I, I knew Lamar was going to be first-team quarterback. I knew Christian McCaffrey was going to be first-team running back. Jason Kelsey at center, those kinds of no-brainer moves. But on defense, there really was only one right choice on the defensive end, and it was Sauce Gardner at, cor at corner because it's just not close. He is the best at the position. The Jets nailed this pick right away. Joe Douglas should be commended for it because that was a deep cornerback class, and he was not the first corner that was taken in that draft. Um, you know, crazy enough, we, we look at that group and we look at Derek Stingley, we look at Gardner, and the fact that the Jets came away with the clear-cut best one out of all of them needs to show that Douglas should be commended for it because that's a blue-chip player that you are going to have around for the rest of his career. Nick, there's no question in my mind that Sauce Gardner through two years is better than Darrell Revis through two years. Now, that doesn't mean that Sauce I, is going to end up being a better player than Revis all said and done because Revis really hit his stride 
in 2009. He had a historically great year in 2009. We'll see if Sauce can get to that level. That we're talking about maybe best of all time. But the first two years, Rebus was really, really good. Sauce has been better than Rebus those first two years. That doesn't mean, again, to clarify for people that are going to get mad that I'm saying that Sauce is better than Rebus or that his career is going to be better than Rebus. It just means through two years, Sauce has been better than Rebus was. So we'll see where this goes from here. Nick, before we leave, let's talk about everything going on around the league in terms of the coaching carousel. There's a new coach in town in Tennessee after a lot of speculation that it was pretty much a foregone conclusion the whole time. Jim Harbaugh finally winds up as the head coach with the Chargers. There's speculation surrounding Bill Belichick and a couple of other guys. What are you hearing right now? Yeah, so the Callahan boys are back in Tennessee uh, Brian Callahan going to Tennessee to be the head coach. I was surprised by this move because I thought Tennessee would try to poach uh, Slowick from, from Houston, the offensive coordinator for the Texans. I thought that he would be a surefire pick to both hurt the Texans next year and also help the Titans in 2024. But Callahan's a very good coach, very qualified. No one's really arguing about that. Uh, the latest on Harbaugh is that he's with the Chargers. He's continuing to talk about a contract with Los Angeles. Uh, I know a lot of teams are trying to get interviews with him to see that if he will budge. I know Michigan is pulling out all the stops to keep him uh, in Ann Arbor, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It certainly seems that Harbaugh is coming back to the NFL and he's going to the Chargers. Now, when we talk about Bill Belichick, you also have to bring up Mike Vrabel because those two um, are two great head coaches. I really like Vrabel as a head coach, and obviously Bill Belichick is among the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. And there's a lot of questions surrounding both of them. And the real one place that is is garnering respect and garnering uh, a lot of takes regarding those two is Atlanta. The Falcons need a new head coach. Arthur Blank has said to love Bill Belichick and has wanted him for a very long time. Um, the issue there, of course, is that if you are hiring Bill Belichick, you are hiring him to be the face and sort of dictator of your organization, which means Everyone else is going to get fired, whether it's Fodenot, the GM, whether it's uh, different uh, different other personnel like McKay, who's an advisor to blank. All those guys would have to go if Bill Belichick is going to be your head coach. And from the latest that I'm hearing from those reports, they are doing everything in their power to make sure Bill Belichick does not sign as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And that's really the only place that's had interest in him. Surprisingly enough, you know, you think about the six Super Bowls and only Atlanta is interested. Um, but ultimately this comes down to who's going to win. Does Arthur Blanket, the head coach he's wanted for a while, or do the guys around him persuade him to go in another direction like Mike Vrabel? Um, outside of that in Seattle, the expectation is Dan Quinn's still probably the favorite. Um, I know Canal is interviewed today with Carolina. Uh, they like him a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if Slowick goes to Carolina as well. Whoever takes the Panthers job is going to be in for a very long rebuild. They don't have a first round pick this year. Um, so there's a lot to watch out for. Atlanta is a hotbed of things that could happen right now with Belichick and with Vrabel and a lot of different guys. Um, but we still have some coaching hires to go through. It's going to get really interesting really soon because there's a lot of offensive coordinating jobs that are still available. Could Chip Kelly be back in the NFL? Uh, his The latest report out there right now is that Dan Quinn uh, could want to bring him to Seattle. That would be interesting. There's a lot of rumors floating around that sort of everyone has to breathe to just see and wait and see what happens. 
Nick Faria covering the Jets for SI. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the midweek news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything that you're working on, not just about the Jets, but you do other things involving the NFL, including Football with Faria, your show that you do that people can access on Twitter. They can watch you chopping it up about all the teams around the NFL. So talk about your work at SI and then also everything else you're doing, including Football with Faria. Yeah, football with Farry is my daily show. I haven't been, I wasn't going on today or yesterday. Yesterday was my birthday, so I wanted a little bit of a little bit of a breather, if if you will. Um, but tomorrow we're going to be on. We're going to be talking about uh, the latest film sessions. We're going over at this moment uh, the entire season of the Jets, looking at the film and seeing what the team has done well and what the team can improve on going into the new season. Uh, so far, there were a lot of great uh, returns. A lot of people liked what we did in that particular uh, show last week. So we're going to continue to try to do that uh, throughout the week. And, of course, my work with Sports Illustrated, I'm still writing some Jets content for them. I'm covering the Ravens, the Eagles, pretty much every team out there that you can think of I'm covering right now. Uh, it's a lot of fun and and, uh, and continuing to work and be involved in the football lands, landscape. Make sure you check out everything Nick is doing at SI. Check out Football with Faria. Follow him on Twitter. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. And give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. <laughs>